This is actually a prime time for phishing emails. And this is a really common one that we've seen. And it's smart what they do. Give me every single CPA, enrolled agent, what have you in the United States. Okay, now I've got a list, scraped it from social media. Super easy. Here's 100,000 emails. They send the same email to everybody. And it says, hey, Penny, I was just in a bad accident. I'm in the hospital. I was talking with my wife and realized we haven't filed taxes in the last three years. We just recently got married and I really need someone to help fix up things with what's going on in my life right now. Here, I've attached my returns from 2017 and 2018 in this zip file. So if you could just look at that and then tell me what we need to do to move forward. And then they run the malware on the computer. You get ransomware. So then everything's encrypted and it says, well, now if you give us $50,000, we'll give you your company back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the latest episode of Strategy and the Virtual Controller. My name is Damien Greathead. It is a well, bit of a hazy Friday morning here in Sydney, and we're excited to be presenting the, the next episode of our podcast, Strategy and the Virtual Controller, where we talk all things technology, apps, workflow, vision, mission, reason for being in business. So it's actually quite encompassing and trying to help accountants and bookkeepers be more intentional about their business. Keep an eye out for some of the pitfalls that we've experienced ourselves in our own businesses and also consulting to businesses around the world. I'm excited to introduce my co-host, Penny Breslin, who, Penny, it sounds like you've been in the wars. How are you doing today? I'm doing much better than I have been in the week. So everything's okay. And it's Thursday afternoon in San Diego and the sun is shining. And yeah, I'm doing all right. And I'm excited to have our guest, Andrew Lassie from Tech for Accountants, our, uh, my chief cyber guy, who is, he is like the guy when it comes to my cybersecurity and doing extra checks over the layers that I've already put on it. He comes in and makes sure that what I did was right. And so Penny sent me an email and she said, Damien, I think we need a couple of guests. And here's, here's a list of a few people I think would add a lot of value to the podcast. And I sort of looked at that and I was like, maybe Penny's sick of talking to me, or perhaps we've just run out of topics between the two of us and we need to bring some other people in to broaden the topics. But actually, I I think as soon as Penny sent that email to me to say, look, here are a couple of ideas. I think I got about two or three phishing emails in that that one was an invoice that I was, should be paying. One was a, I had to update my password and a whole host of other things. And so quite timely, quite fortuitous. And Andrew, why don't we bring you in and tell us a little bit about yourself, a bit of your background and who is Tech for Accountants? Well, thank you both for having me. Super long story short, who I am, I'm just this guy that was really into computers in high school. And then I had like wanted to get a job in IT, in cybersecurity, but never, I couldn't ever land a job in IT. So <laughs> so it was like like I, I did help desk at my college, but I couldn't get like a real job, right? And I think um, that's how I ended up working in the accountant vertical. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like so 
so I couldn't get the job in IT. I had a degree in financial planning, but graduated during the recession in 09. So nobody wanted to hire a financial planner that didn't have any experience when all of the ones with experience are going in the gutter, right? So I couldn't get a job in financial planning either. So I just pivoted, did restaurants for 10 years, worked my way up the ladder at Carabas, didn't work out, moved to Florida, and I didn't have a job. And my buddy was like, oh, hey, go to this one place. Like They'll hire anyone for sales. And so I didn't have a car and I rode my bike there and I had my resume in my backpack and I show up and I hand the guy what I thought was my sales resume, but it was actually my tech resume. And the guy looks at it and he's like, oh, thank God you're in tech. I thought you were here for sales. He's like, we need tech so bad. And he was any, the, the test, it was like copy paste a document. Like it was the the simplest test ever. <laughs> and he's like, hey, yeah, you'll start in the tech department tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, you know, I didn't say it to him. I was like, what does this company do? And it turns out like it's an IT company, like managed service provider. <laughs> and I just fell into it. And it's like, oh, that was, I shouldn't have been trying. That was my mistake. I was trying to get jobs. You're supposed to accidentally land yeah. into one. Nine months later, a friend is like, hey, we're starting up our own tech company. We want you to run the tech department. And I was like, no way. Startups are risky. I got a good thing at this place. And and I was 26, 27, no kids, no, no overhead in life, no girlfriend, anything. And I was like, you know what? Let's give this startup thing a try. Like, what's the worst that happens? It goes out of business and and I have to move in with my parents again, like whatever. And so it went out of business in three months. But <laughs> here's, yeah, so they were actually really good at acquiring customers, but they were not good at running a profitable business. So it was a cash flow problem, but we had 500 customers despite ourselves. And so they went out of business and I made an agreement with the owner and I was like, I'll just keep doing all of the tech work. Don't pay me. And when people come in after two months, I'll just update their billing information to me. And anyone that doesn't use it can stay on the subscription with you. And that was how Rush Tech Support started, which then evolved into the Tech for Accountants. So that's a, a 10 years onward. So like right around now, 10 years ago was wow. when I got that message on uh, like text. Like, hey, you want to do it? I'm like, no way. It's dangerous. Wow. Yeah, 10 years. Very exciting. 10 years and later. 10 yeah. years later. And so Andrew, in terms of Tech for Accountants now, like, so what made you identify accountants as the area that you wanted to focus on, an area that you wanted to specialize in? So the first seven years, we were everything to everybody and there's a place for it, right? But what we were kind of seeing that kind of the writing on the wall with, with IT in general, a lot of our clients were residential and 10 years ago, it was, oh, well, I don't want to pay for that. And then kind of the response was, well, are you going to buy a brand new computer every single time something goes wrong? Here's, you know, it makes sense to work with us. And then over time, you started seeing, well, I'm just never going to buy another one. I just do everything on my phone now. I do everything on my tablet now. So we saw that sort of phasing out. And 2019, the IRS put out uh, publication 4557 and on the PTIN renewal form, says you have to have a data security plan. And my own accountant, who funny enough is not a client of ours, we have thousands of accountants, and my own accountant is not a client. 
but he he's sort of like the patient zero for us getting into <laughs> the accounting world. Like we had clients that happened to be accountants, but just they got the same thing that the lawyers got and the doctors got, you know, it was pretty much standard. And so it was like, well, the IRS wants to see all this stuff. And so I helped his guy do it for him. And I was like, you know, maybe we could offer this to accountants. And one of our staff, he was in BNI and he went to the accountant in that group was like, do you know about publication 4557? He's like, can you be my IT guy? And so that was like our first accountant client. And then we just started snowballing and we saw the shift from the everything to everybody people to last year, I think 98 or 99% of our new clients were either accountants in some capacity or lawyers that were like tax accountants, mm -hmm. like tax lawyer, tax law. And then like one random like vacuum repair shop that was like, <laughs> found us online and we were just like, sure, you get the accountant package. <laughs> and so Penny, what sort of prompted your thinking in terms of having Andrew on, obviously, you know, the IT and cybersecurity and whatnot, but what was the trigger, if you will? Well, I met Andrew several years ago. I ran into him at a um, trade show when it was Rush Tech. And I knew that we had cybersecurity. I knew because we had a managed service provider and we had security put in place, physical security as well as cybersecurity at our office in Chennai. But I know one thing, I'm not a specialist at it. And I also spent a couple of years working at a FinTech as a consultant and got to see what they did. And I know that you need to always dot your I's and cross your T's when it comes to this stuff. And I know that even with that, I still have to be careful. So I wanted a third set of eyes. And I talked to Andrew about it and I talked to my managed service provider about it and our IT guy over in Chennai and Andrew just ran every desktop and every connection and everything through the ringer to check and gave me back a report so that I had a third set of third-party eyes to see where I had any blanks, what I had to fill in. And I found a few. He found a few. I wasn't surprised. That's what I was concerned about. That's why I asked him to do it. And so he was very helpful in that. And then the next year I saw him at a trade show and he became tech for accountants. And I asked him, I said, would you write a chapter in the book that you and I did? And so he wrote the chapter on cybersecurity. And like you, experiencing those emails, I probably get about 50 of them a day. Wow. And they seem to be increasing. And a lot of that is because we're doing all this social media stuff that I never would have done before, Damien. But, but come on, because it, it's happening because we do social media. Come on, but think, I think about it's a it. I mean, think about, but let, you put not, your name, you put your name out there. You're on LinkedIn. You're on Twitter slash X. I'm not on Facebook, but a lot of people are. They're on Discord servers. They're on Reddit. They're on a lot of other things. They've got their website up. They're doing newsletters. Your email address, your phone number is out there everywhere, right? I was out camping I, I, sorry, in Mexico I would agree with that. and I went to a lady who was a CPA and, she, and I said, yeah, we do outsourcing and left it at that. And she comes up to me six hours later and said, I just checked you out. You're all over the internet. I'm going, oh shit. You know, <laughs> get your stuff out there. You're bound to get attacked. 
Yes. Yes. Okay. And so I think that's one of the downsides of the world in which we live in that that it's easy for it's easy for AI, it's easy for bots, it's easy for bad actors to build a profile of you. Just on a, on a, on a, on an aside, I logged into, so I still keep my US accounts and all that type of stuff going, even though I'm living in Australia. And I logged into my B of A account and I noticed I was in the red and I was like, what's happened there? A lien by the California EDD has been placed against my Bank of America account. Call up the California EDD and apparently Greathead Removal Services was created to my parents-in-law's address and California EDD is now going after me for unpaid payroll taxes. And so I'm like, wait, what? And so now I'm dealing with the California sort of payroll tax board, the EDD, and trying to convince them and present a case that I haven't lived in the United States for three years, for four years. I haven't lived in California for, for eight years never had a business and sort of showing my social security, my parents-in-law's address, et cetera. And this is fraud. So yeah, so just on an aside, and again, information that either publicly out there or hacked. And they've built that profile and created a business and done a whole host of different things. And yeah, and now the unpaid payroll taxes. So I've got a $30,000 lien against my Bank of America account and here we are. So anyway, that's my fun, fun fact or fun, fun experience that I'm dealing with from God. From mine's a lot easier than yours. And I thought I needed him. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> so Andrew, give us the, the landscape of what yeah, you're what thinking do, and, and, and tell us what to yeah. do. Oh, what to do. Gosh, the, what to do, man, that's like, what's the meaning of life, right? Maybe it's, let's start with, so, what do you, maybe let's strip it back yeah. and then maybe let's start with, what are you seeing out there? What are you know, what's, how have hacking attempts or how has cybersecurity threats evolved over the last couple of years, particularly for what are account, cyber threats in the accounting space? So how, how have they evolved? So with deadlines coming up, this is actually a prime time for oh. phishing emails. And this is a really common one that we've seen. And it's smart what they do. So they get a list of you know, give me every single CPA, enrolled agent, what have you in the United States. Okay. Now I've got a list, scraped it from social media. Super easy. Here's a hundred thousand emails. They send the same email to everybody. And it says, it says, Hey, Penny, I was just in a bad accident. I'm in the hospital, but you know, I was talking with my wife and realized we haven't filed taxes in the last three years, we just recently got married and I really need someone to help, to help fix up things with what's going on in my life right now. So I'll send you my returns from 28 or actually they don't start with that. They just say, can you help me? And, oh, cool. I have a client that emailed. Sure. Let's set up, let's set up a discovery call. See if we're a good fit. I can't get on a discovery call. I'm in the hospital, like I said, <laughs> but here I'm. You know, whatever information you need, just let me know. Here, I've attached my returns from 2017 and 2018 in this zip file. So if you could just look at that and then tell me what we need to do to move forward. And so then, you know, 2017returns.zip and 1040.exe, 
and then they run the malware on the computer, you get ransomware. So then everything's encrypted and it says, well, now if you give us $50,000, we'll give you your company back. And wow. you know, so, so that is the one that we see the most, or at least the one that I would say has the most sort of bite to it versus the, oh, I got the Nigerian prince and somebody falls for it. You know, this is like, it's calculated. It's still like a spray and pray, but it's, it's targeted enough and has enough of a, well, this makes sense. There's a deadline coming up. Yeah. I need my services and, you know, insert state that you live in, say they're from there. So it's pretty easy with just a little bit of information to do that. And if they're not on their guard, you know, I look at every single extension because I'm in cybersecurity and I see everybody, I see the horror stories. Like yeah. I've had people crying on the phone, like a, the, the worst one, I, I had a grown man crying on the phone because his life savings got wired out of his account in front oh. of him. He let someone on his computer with TeamViewer. They disabled his keyboard and he didn't think to turn off the computer. And so they go to Bank of America or wherever his bank was. It was Chase, actually. And so since it's on his computer, it bypasses the two-factor authentication because it recognized that computer and wired out his life savings Whoa. right in front of him. I, but it, it's sort of interesting, but if we take a couple of steps back to the, to that example, you know, you sort of said that the bad actors go and scrape screens and all that type of stuff, but that's not actually true because Penny, you get 50 of those emails about phishing attempts. I get probably 50 emails a week from list companies that are looking to sell me the lists of zero users, QuickBooks users, yeah. Sage users, CPAs, enrolled agents. And so that, that sort of data, it's yeah, it's that data is easy to come across. And yeah, if I've got a list of 30,000 accountants with their email address and go with that type of a message, someone's going to buy it. And Andrew, quick question. If I was savvy and I was to turn around and say, thanks very much for your email. We don't accept, we don't accept tax returns via email because of security, but here's my portal link. Feel free to upload the zip file into there. I would actually think that I'm doing the right thing, but for all intents and purposes, it doesn't matter because it's still the zip file. It's still the .exe. It's still, it just, it's just a different route into the, the system. Is that fair? It could be. It's going to depend on the portal and the security in the portal. Yeah. But hypothetically, they could. Here's the portal and they upload the zip that has the .exe malware in it. And it is allowed to go on that server and then you manually download it so it's possible it's an extra layer to it and a lot of a lot of uh, storage won't let you do it without right. some sort of password or something like that yeah. what if they're not using that type of portal how can they tell if they're using a portal that will keep it from happening i mean the the, I mean, I could ask oh, anybody to set up an account. Oh, I'm sorry, we don't take it through email. Here, use this link, set up an account, upload it through my portal. Right. I'm saying that the portal company may have yeah. their own security measures in place. But and how, scan do you, it. how do you know which one does? What are the questions you ask? The questions for the portal company, yeah. Do you know, I hadn't 
gone through that exercise, but I mean, the way that like I've seen, it's a good, it's a good question. I've seen it with, with Dropbox where they don't allow EXEs and I've seen it the way that you can do it in Google drive. There has to be like several layers to it in order for that to, nor for it to come through. So it's going to, it's going to depend on the provider, but I mean, ultimately it's going to come down to the user being able to recognize, okay, A, that I have heard that this is a scam that exists. So I have my guard up and then B, okay. If you get the zip file, the zip by itself, isn't going to hurt you. Like it's, you're right there, but if it's opened and executed, then if you have proper security in place, so we go from a layered approach. So to download it in the first place, the antivirus should stop it, but say it doesn't. Then we have our endpoint detection response, EDR, which it's not as well known, um, but essentially what it does is it's going to be monitoring the system. So say you click on that link, you should notice it's not a PDF, it's an EXE, but you can change extensions, you can change the icons and you know, the people on my team, like, thank God they're on our side. Like <laughs> they, they just put out stuff for fun, just for the love of the game. And are just like, look, I made an EXE with an Adobe icon. And if people weren't looking into the full extension, I called it dot PDF and have it hit hiding the extension. Like it's, there are smart people that are very <laughs> smart. So you have I your mean, endpoint detection response. If you were to get ransomware and your files start getting encrypted, it freezes your entire system and you need a managed service provider basically to come in and unlock it because it's detecting something that's going on. And so that would also stop it there. And we saw this exact thing play out tax season. So while I'm saying this is what they do, anecdotally, we saw this happen and literally a woman's firm was saved because, and she was sharp too. Like sometimes people, it's like, oh, come on, why are you clicking on that? Like it was done very well. And if she, since she hadn't heard that these scams exist, she's just, she okay, would have been like, Yeah, seems you know, it doesn't exactly pass the sniff test, but also I don't see what's wrong here. Like yeah. they, they were in an accident, so they can't get it on a call. And I mean, and uh, Andrew, I think you've given us exactly, you, you've given us the answer that you would expect to the question that I think Penny was asking. So I think the question that you should be asking providers is tell me what protection you've got in place to guard me against malware against and so so i think that's the question and start there and then i think you're going to get andrews and something along andrews lines to tell you this multi-layered approach as to how we actually uh, how we at tech for accountants make sure you're protected against that however you know we're not 100 foolproof it, it, it but these are the things to be I don't keeping think anything's foolproof i mean people have alarm systems on their house to warn them when they're getting broken into. That didn't stop necessarily. Sometimes you put the sign up, they say that's yep. going to stop them anyways, but the alarms do go off. And now, 
And and so, Andrew, that's what that example is quite specific where we're going for malware to put it on your server and or, or I guess it's ransomware, isn't it? Because we're holding you to ransom to say we're not going to unlock it unless you give us some cash. Right. What about the... And what about the, the examples that that I'm talking about? Let's just say, actually, and I've got an invoice has been sent to me. Looks legit. Logo's there. Pay now. Yeah. I can't remember getting the service, but I probably did. Or if I'm in AP and, you know, I don't necessarily, there, there, there isn't sort of a checks and balances because I don't have sort of approvals, but an invoice comes in and I'm sort of, I'm the AP processor. So I'm not necessarily connecting invoice in service done or invoice in product purchased, I'm just paying. What's your advice there? And maybe not advice, but what's your take on that type of example? Well, I mean, awareness is going to be number one, like the front line of defense on everything is your people. So in that specific example of somebody that's working in AP, I think it's going to come down to something workflow related to have some sort of check and balance because there isn't a communication in that exact scenario. So having that set up specifically for the security side of things is going to be important. But if you're the person that's doing AP and you recognize, okay, I got this invoice, some of the telltale signs of things that are not legitimate. And the, the super tricky part is if your client gets hacked, and sends you and something sends that you in, yes. sends yeah. sends something that's real. Oh my gosh, the the horror stories I have on those. Yeah, yeah, your, your supplier does get hacked and sends you the invoice. I mean, and yeah. the supplier doesn't even know it went out. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, the the technical the best way that you could prevent this would be you have a phone call with the vendor and confirm that it was indeed actually sent by them and if it has wire instructions that you confirm with them where you have them tell you the wire instructions in the account because interesting and this is a very it's it seems so oh come on this won't happen but this is how we got one of our <laughs> one of our larger clients was thanks to someone else not uh recognizing that this can happen this was a, a title company. And so you and I are, you know, you're selling a house and you have the title company and I'm sending you escrow instructions, mm -hmm. right? Okay. So wire info, this applies to anybody. It's just anecdotally what happened. And so they send the wire instructions and person receives it. And they could even call and say, did you send me wire instructions? Was this you? And they say, well, of course it was. I just sent it. Mm. And you're purchasing a house right now. And it is time for you to put money in an escrow account. And it came from us. I'm the one that clicked send. Go ahead and do it. See, the piece that was missing there, though, is you could set up rules inside of Outlook. And when you send out wire instructions, don't send what was actually sent. What you should do is send out these wire instructions. And so the it was on the company letterhead. Everything was the same except for the bank account was different. 
but they didn't right. call, confirm, and have them tell the bank account to them for the wire instructions. And so money's so wired. Every, so everything gone. so everything looks normal, the logo, the website, et cetera. But yeah, the payment instructions have changed. So it's, it's sort of interesting is, and, and so I think if you, you're thinking about, again, in an AP sort of processing role, we've got some workflow, some checks and balances. We need some level of approval. But also you do need to educate the team to be saying, here are some of the things that you need to be looking out for. And sometimes it is easy just to go like, just to be in the zone and get through work. But if there, if you do see changes, it could be significant changes in volume of what we're purchasing. It could be changes in the bank payment details. These are the red flags that you've got to be keeping an eye out for. And sort of it's everyone's responsibility to be keeping an eye out for these anomalies. Yeah, that's interesting. If I haven't paid that supplier in, you know, six months, maybe that's a flag. If all of a sudden it, we've gone from ACH to wire transfer, might be a flag. If the bill typically, and, and maybe, you know, I might not necessarily not know this one, but if I'm sort of paying maybe a thousand bucks a month or 1200 bucks a quarter, and then all of a sudden it jumps up to 12,000, that might be a, a red flag as well. But yeah, just really interesting. The lengths with which people are, are going to... But also, I love that idea, not love that idea, but also the idea of if I can change the the wire instructions at the bottom of the invoice, I can also change the phone number. So, so, so if, if even if I do call to verify, I'm I calling call the number of the bad actor who's like, yep, Andrew, that's right. Just wire it away. I'm like, okay, I've done my checks and balances. Yeah, so yeah, it's, you, you've always you also, got to be on the lookout. You delete the line at the bottom that says, always call to confirm our instructions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like, it's great that you have that there, but it's on the wrong one. If it's on the <laughs> fake one, that would be perfect. And here's one that I see attorneys do a lot because we do a lot of AP work. And I'm always shocked because they send out their invoices. And at the bottom is all the wiring instructions to the attorney's bank. Right? So now as an AP clerk anywhere, remotely working, you've got the wiring instructions for a given bank. How easy is that to get? Think about it. People send out wiring instructions printed on an invoice that goes out as a PDF as an attached email. They give I'm you the just, SWIFT number. They give no, you the no, no. And like you're saying this, and I'm sort of a bit gobsmacked because I've done it like 15, 20 times where I'm like, here's the details. Can you put it into my account? Oh, because um, everybody's email is so secure. Yeah. And, and when you think about it, I mean, I run an outsourcing company. Okay. I get emails from people because I'm an, I'm, I appear like I'm an accountant. So I get yeah. emails from lots of people all over the world with Gmail in their URL, you know, and go, we'll outsource your AP. There's a lot of professionals that that go off of Gmail and AOL. And I know. I, not in every four dollars. It's $4 to get your own domain. Like it's really not expensive. I mean, well, uh, yeah, Andrew. So there you go. I mean, even, you know, cause also like $4 a month, get your own domain. But I actually, I think what's really interesting that, cause I, I, we see it a lot for CPE that 
you, you have your professional email address for your work stuff, but because my CPE, my professional education, that goes with me wherever I go. So we see a lot of Gmail for, for, for their CPE certificates and all that type of stuff. And so just as you're saying that for $4 a month, time so that's 36 dollars a year for no 48 dollars a year <laughs> not good at math but you might get a discount if you pay up front you can actually just have at damiengrayshead.com and which, builds, which becomes my, my personal email attorney and i had this discussion with her about five years ago and that's exactly oh, what so she many did. attorneys that are just a penny lawyer <laughs> no and she knows she got her own name as an attorney as her um dot com well, i'm um, gonna do that <laughs> Good for you. I was wondering about you, Damien. <laughs> no, and I'm, and I'm never giving my wire instructions. <laughs> Although I must admit, I have, and so now all of a sudden, why California EDD is coming after me is becoming quite clear. But the, the other one now is I'm actually moving over to like Wise and those transfer apps for so many for the, for sending money to anyone. Yes. And I think even I was sending money to you, Penny. I'm like, I don't. Can I just say, can we do it through Wise or one of the transfer wires or something along those lines? And that no, was just what I did is I gave you your own permissions level access to the account. But I could, but I couldn't send it from my B of A for yeah, whatever that's right. reason. And yeah. so therefore I just sent it through Wise. And that, that actually was a much more pleasant experience and a much more, uh, a better user experience sending it through wise than trying to do it through bank of America. And Zen. Oh, yeah. That's, and like I, that was a shit. when yeah. I do transfers with India and I have a couple of clients that pay us through Veeam, you know, cause it just is cleaner and safer. It's yeah. safer for both sides. And it's, it also gives you history. There's an audit trail. I mean, there's so many things that could hurt your business. But think about it. These are also things that could hurt your client's business. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. So if you had some kind of training in place, right, that you could, as a value added, give to your clients for their cybersecurity, because how many of them have remote workers? Or yeah. how many of them have workers that need constant training? When I went to work at MX, day one was my cybersecurity training. And it was... Mm. And I'll tell you what, I wasn't given access to diddly squat until I completed that six uh, series course. And, and it was, it took me all day to do it. And then it was constant. There were constant updates. They were, hey, you need to renew this. It was ongoing. And they had, you know, 800 employees. And every one of us went through that. Every one of us was trained how to behave on, in our cyber world that we existed in. And it's, something that was very well laid out. It was very easy for us to do, but it taught me a lot about what to look for, which is probably why Andrew gets a lot more calls from me, like, or at least messages going, hey, I think this is fake. What do you think? <laughs> but it's something that I know Andrew's team did it for me, developed no. a methodology for me to show to my team to test them. Okay. So, I, I mean, I think that's actually interesting. And, and Andrew, maybe a, a comment on that shortly, because I, I, but also I think that there, there must be great courses out there that you can subscribe to and, and then the, the team goes through. So similar thing at Intuit, we, every year we have to go through the cybersecurity training and update, and it, it's a good 90 minutes just to show you the evolution and the types of examples that are actually out there. And, and I think, I think we could talk about this topic for a very long time, but I, I want to talk about an, a, another interesting one that both of us got this week, Penny. We got a DocuSign. 
So yes. we got a DocuSign from a mutual, from our supplier for podcast production and all that type of stuff. Um, and it, it looked like it made me look twice. And I sent it to you and said, did you get this too? And you went, well, it oh, was in I'm Spanish, like, which made me. <laughs> so but I had been getting, I had been getting them all week and deleting them because they were in Spanish. But all of a sudden, your name and my name and the name of the podcast appeared. Mm. And that, and they all had the same email, the same yes. URL at top, Andrew. It was all coming from the same, and, they, and it was like, they were just like adding on to the things to like, well, you didn't take it the first time. You didn't take it. It's like, <laughs> me... it's like the carnival backup. Yeah. You know? They're, <laughs> they're split testing on how, how but good also it, they it's the same it. thing as well that if you're not paying attention, it's like, oh shit, no, I haven't signed that because you know, the DocuSign is set up to go three days later or seven days later. Like that's what your experience, that's what you're conditioned to experience. Maybe every day is a bit of a stretch, but, but sort of. No, I've been getting them. Is... I was getting them. I at least got four of them in the last two weeks. Wow. I think what's interesting though, is first and foremost, we never got an email from our supplier to say. And I went on the line to the supplier's. I'm also a bit worried as well that they've been hacked and so well they have been hacked. (laughs) But Andrew, what's on a DocuSign, what's a a bad agent or a bad actor looking for in in that instance? And again, you know, you're gonna hit doc you're gonna hit sign here. What are the sort of the things that that could happen from there? I think usually at the end of the day, as part of that DocuSign, it won't just only be the putting your signature on it, but also the put in your wire instructions, put in your credit card number. We need to have something on file. So, I mean, you know, I've had plenty of DocuSigns where they collect, I mean, the PPP application had financial information on it through DocuSign. That was interesting Mm. spot for it. But now that you say it out loud, (laughs) (laughs) like when it happened is I, I mean, I wasn't going to fight it. I think the government's never that on top of stuff, but (laughs) So, so the, is that the type of thing is like, well, hang on now they're asking for, shouldn't they just be asking for my signature in a DocuSign document? Why are they asking for other, other information that they already have? But I, I guess that would be the thing. It was like, provide us with your birth date to confirm. And I'm like, well, I've never given my birth date to, to our podcast producer. Why would they even know that? I've never given them my social. Why would I need to give them the last four digits of my social to confirm that it's me? So if they're, you know, if you have security questions, things like that, they could reverse engineer. There was a, there was a joke that had been on social media and it was like, it was like your porn star name is your mother's maiden name and the street you grew up on and your best friend growing up and the first concert you went to <laughs> post it in here, what your name would be. And so everyone's just given all their security answers. <laughs> And, and that's the thing though, it's one of the, like, you've got the information and now that now you just build the algorithm that just runs those various combinations to, to see what, what hits gold. Right. Well, and a lot of, you know, it's kind of the misconception is that the hackers are sitting there, you know, with the hoodies trying to gain access every way they can into Damien's life. But what usually happens is sign you well you you signed up on on the smash mouth message board 25 years ago with the same answers <laughs> and someone just says let's copy paste he probably used the same password 
<laughs> on Bank of America, and he did. That's where the information comes from. There's one big oh. data breach. You could download everybody's information. And if Andrew they're reusing- gave me the best advice on passwords I've ever had in my life. And that is, do you read a lot? Yeah, kind of. And so he goes, make it a sentence. And so whatever favorite book I'm reading, a sentence that I liked in it now becomes my password. Uh, interesting. Now, and so quite annoying. Because it's a book I liked and it's a passage I liked. But that sounds okay. So, with it, so I've learned a whole host on on today's today's podcast, and I'm also going to be singing. It's Friday morning here, so I'm going to have Smash Mouth's "Hey, You're an All Star" <laughs> yeah. in my head the entire time. So thank you so much for that. <laughs> but yeah, just fascinating. Just like, oh shit, I did that. Maybe not a Smash Mouth fan <laughs> fan. But <laughs> I didn't do the porn star thing on Facebook. But I actually think it's sort of an interesting one because you sort of. Yeah. You're sitting on the bus, you're scrolling through your phone and something pops up on Facebook and it's, hey, here's a fun thing to engage in and whatever. And back in the day, it was the porn star name generator. And that, yeah, that was, I never did that one. I was like, oh, I'm just not, I think that's a bit shit. But anyway, but it, it's just so funny. There's it's like, these are small things that you see on Facebook. There's no reason to think, why would it be a bad actor? And you engage with it or alternatively, I mean, the number of times where I've had to pause and say, do I really need to download this app onto my phone to play another mindless game of whatever? And sort of, it's probably the realization that, well, the game is just the front because it's probably doing something on the back end, collecting information and all that, even if it's just for ad targeting or whatever. But it is that idea of I'm sitting on the bus, I've got 30 minutes to kill on my commute into work or on the train or whatever, and I'm going to do some, I'm going to give up a piece of information. And someone's going to collect it and it's going to sit in a data lake. And then at some point in time, someone's going to run it. And, and now all of a sudden I'm on the phone to California uh, EDD at five o'clock in the morning or Sydney time trying to, to deal with a fraud case. $30,000. Yeah. Tackling yeah, yeah. The government. Well, I Andrew, look, I think we could talk about different scenarios and, and pointing out how stupid or how thick I am and how easy I am giving up information personally identified. Sorry, I did not have any idea, Andrew, that this that I was ho- so hopeless. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that this had happened to you, Damien. I'm really but, sorry. Um, but I think, Andrew, what's the closing bit of advice? And sort of Penny talked about that you'd helped them develop a sort of a cybersecurity awareness policy, some cybersecurity training. Tell us, for listeners, what's something that they can do today, this week, just to help build cybersecurity awareness in, in, in their firm? You know, Penny, we sort of, the idea originally was with remote workers, but it's whether you've got somebody sitting next to you or down a hall or in a town down the road or, or across borders, what's something that listeners can do today to raise awareness with their team? Yeah, we offer a free audit if you go to tech4accountants.net, the number four, and there's a free IT audit link on there. And you can have a technician high level. I mean, what Penny engages for was super deep dive and reporting and consulting, but to get the awareness of, and a lot of these things are required by law now too, from the FTC and the IRS. So you get a high level of This is what you do have. This is what you don't have. Here are your options. And at least then you have the knowledge of, hey, you know, I'm sitting pretty good. I've got 95% of the things I need. Or 
okay, I guess pulling my computer out of the box wouldn't have all of the military grade security that's required to protect my clients. Mm -hmm. So getting that awareness, I think is really the best first step. And it's also, yeah, it doesn't cost anything. Now, sort of interesting, Andrew, because I've been listening to today's episode and I'm, you're saying, go to my website and download or click on this. What should I be looking at in that link? Because I'm going to hover over it and I'm going to say, righto, hang on. What are some, and, and again, let's just make sure we, we don't segue off into another tangent, which I think I already have, but what <laughs> should I be looking for in that address to give me confidence that tech4accountants.net is legit and it's not going to get me in a, into a world of hurt? That's a really good question. So what I would do, I would copy the link. So I post it in there, HTTPS colon slash tech4accountants.net slash. I think that's an important one. Yeah, but it's super easy to get an SSL certificate. I think that, like, yeah, if, I guess. To, it's not if the you're, streaming grace anymore. Yeah, I mean, if you're like putting in payment information, but I mean, frankly, you know, on our HTTPS, if we asked for super sensitive information in a regular form, it would still get sent through as text. So, I mean, but different story, different day. So. What I would do if I'm on the fence, I'd go Google is tech4accountants.net legit. And now I'm hoping that there aren't, I haven't done this. Exercise. All right. So literally just ask Google, is this so, address legit? Is tech4accountants.net legit? And so the responses in here, nothing is a red flag. And basically it's like, okay, so page one. 2,559 reviews, Facebook with 116 reviews, Trustpilot. So my picture, my instructor biography with the Florida Institute of CPAs. So there's nothing in it that would be a red flag, but- you start with a big green check from Trustpilot. Oh, well, there it is. As soon as you said it, I was over here on my other screen and it typed it in one. So, but- if this were something that is not, oh, do you know what? And if we have time, give me a minute because I got a phishing email earlier that I thought was really good. And it was just a QR code instead of a link. And let me see if I can get, you okay, can share so. screen. Yeah, so here, I'm gonna, I'll do what my due diligence would have been on this. So their URL is P-T-O-R-T-H-O. So is P Tortho legitimate. And who knows? Maybe it is. Maybe I do need. So let's see. Patient orthotics. Ah. Did I spell PT ortho? Yeah. PT ortho would be, yeah, orthodontics. Yeah. Huh. Well, I don't have kids in braces. My kids are, I mean, they're going to need them, but that's <laughs> very, no, my, my, they first have to have teeth, right? <laughs> both my four year old and my three year old. Both knocked out the same tooth. Oh no! My yeah. Gus chipped his front tooth, and like, but yeah, didn't knock it out. Anyway, look, we have segued, and we could go down a, another dark, or not maybe not dark, but another tunnel. But I think Andrew, let's get you back on another episode. And actually, that's yes. a really interesting one because I don't know what it's like in America, but everything requires a QR code now. And if I'm thinking about being a bad actor, and what a way to do it because it's become such a normal way of life in terms of getting the ebook or downloading something or, or signing up for something, that QR code, 
So I think maybe maybe on when we have you in next, let's talk about some of the ways in which we can keep our keep safe from the next generation or the next wave of, of threats that are coming our way. Yeah, because while said- we've been talking here, I got another one of those fishing docky signs <laughs> from edu.au, Australia. edu.a, oh, university. There we go. Yeah, from a university. Righto, mm. let's wrap it up. Andrew, where can we find you? Tech4, the number, tech4accountants.net. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, I've got it uh, in the chat to give to. Yeah, nice. Well, I don't think our audience can see that, Penny. So, but I, but we will put it on the, the well, show we'll notes. We'll put it yeah. on the show it'll, notes. It'll auto-redirect. If you do techforaccountants.net slash book, it'll take you to slash book dash and dash IT dash audit. So yeah. techforaccountants.net slash book and IT audit. Away we go. Andrew, where can people find you on? And I assume Andrew Lassise, people can find you on LinkedIn pretty easily. Correct. Correct. I'm the only one out there. So, and what's the next show that you're going to be at? I know you're at scaling and. Uh, We, the next one we have on the books is scaling next year. QuickBooks is not having a lot of vendors back at this one, which I don't know why, but the powers that be. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, Andrew, this has been fascinating. Thank you so much for, and very educational. Thank you so much for, for sharing your insights and experience with us. Folks, we'll have Andrew's website, LinkedIn profile, et cetera, in the show notes for you. So you can find him easily there. Got questions for us or Andrew, reach out to us on LinkedIn. You can find Penny on LinkedIn. You can find Penny at lc.com. And I'm going to get by Damien and into it. Yeah, I'm going to, well, no, I'm going to have to get myself a secure URL. I think that's my go-to after today. So I'll have a a proper URL that I can share with people. But Andrew, thank you so much. Really insightful. Penny, always a pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've enjoyed today's episode, give us a like, give us a share, give us a review, depending on the platform that you use. And hopefully we can get the good word out and the good insights that Andrew shared with us out to the accounting world. Have a wonderful afternoon, folks. Bye-bye. Take care.